Did everyone get one of these sheets? Because you're going to want it tonight. Tonight, my challenge for you, if you didn't, would you raise your hand so that we can make sure you get one? Is there anyone who doesn't have one of these? Oh, y'all have one, yeah? Okay. Jeffrey, you don't have one. Here. I, I got one here for him. There you go, buddy. Listen, this is my challenge tonight. We're going to be going through 19 points. Yeah, doesn't that scare you? But here's the fun. And this is in my challenge in it, is that after we are done tonight with the teaching portion, my challenge you tonight is that to break up in groups of three or four and ask them, ask each other, which of these areas do you find yourself struggling at the most? Which of these areas do you find yourself strongest in? Because what we want is as a family tonight to be praying for each other to praise God for the things that we find the Lord doing and to seek His strength for the things we find ourselves weakened. Does that make sense? So the way that this happens is we're going to spend some time here developing a list and then saying, all right, now, get in your groups and pray for each other. Say, all right, now, what areas do we need prayer in these? And then as well with that, then um, what areas do you find yourself good in? Let's thank the Lord. Thank you, Lord, that these things are happening. We don't want to just think that the Lord... I mean, if we, if we spend ourselves kind of knowing that I'm a miserable, horrible wretch, blah 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 and then that, that's kind of where we're at, well, we are without Him. We can all agree on that. But in that, we want to see what He's doing in our lives, too. And, and He is. He's making these changes in our lives. And that's part of it. So notice, by the way, it says, So celebrate ministry. Do you see that? As we've gone through the first 11 chapters and we've seen God show us sin, salvation, sanctification, and sovereignty, now it's like in response to that, so celebrate ministry. Now, the S and the O are review, and then the rest of it will be developed in this text. Read along with me what it says, by the way, starting in verse 9. Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 9. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own opinion. Repay no one evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. And if it is possible, as much as depends on you, because it doesn't always depend on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap coals of fire upon his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Will you pray with me, please? Oh, Lord God, now let your word burst open and come alive for us, grabbing a hold of us, just tearing open our hearts and planting deep within us the desire to do that which you've called us to the way that you've called us to it. So, Lord, we praise you for what you're doing. And now, Lord, please, may we have so much fun in your word. May we truly identify, may we link, may we connect tonight with your word. May, Lord, I pray tonight, may we encounter you in a very real way and, and recognize tonight how you want to meet us right where we're at and show us that right in this text, I pray. And I pray, Lord, tonight that you would continue to develop in each of us the calling you've placed in each of us, unique as it is. Thank you for the weeks we've had in watching you develop spiritual gifts. Thank you for the way you've gifted Jeffrey to teach in my absence. And now, Lord, I pray we would just be drawn to you as we open your word. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to know what's going on back there, it sounds a little crazy, doesn't it? They have some kind of class that has nothing to do with us, some kind of emotional health class. I guess maybe that's the before. Um, anyways, so I don't know much other than there you go. 
Okay, listen. It starts in verse 9. Now, the, the, the verses 1 through 8, if you remember, Therefore, in view of God's mercy, offer yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. For this is your only reasonable or logical act of service. Don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you would be able to know and approve of that good and perfect, acceptable will of God. That's where we were before this point, if you remember. It tells us then after that, that in proportion to our faith, we are to exercise the gifts he's given us. And that's why we spent three weeks developing what it means to be spiritually gifted. Now in verse 9, there are just simple, practical, 29, just very, very clear things that we have to identify here. That, that in that, he tells us, and it starts with this verse 9 that hinges with, look at, if you're going to love, don't love as a hypocrite. Now, the word hypocrite, hupakrit, upar means over, krit means mask. The simplest sense of a hypocrite is a poser. It's an actor. That's all a hypocrite is. Now, if you recognize that's all it is, it's not unique to the Christian world or any of that, because people tend to think of the word hypocrites to be used, it's to be used against Christians. Every human being on the planet is an actor. Some point in your life, someone's going to ask you how you're doing, and you're not fine, but you're going to tell them fine. Somewhere down the line, someone's going to try to, 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 to say something like, do you have any money? And you're going to try to play off like you're poor when you're not. Somewhere down the line, you know that you're going to have to portray something different than your heart. Prayerfully, that will never be the case before the Lord. But I bet every one of us have suffered to some degree because somewhere down the line, someone told us they loved us, but they were playing. They were acting. Now, maybe they genuinely felt like they cared at that moment, but the problem with feelings is that they make a great ignition, but a terrible steering wheel. They don't have a lasting effect. And if love, in your opinion, is some form of emotion, you're in a lot of trouble. Because love, if it were emotion, then it'd have to be temporary. But love, according to Scripture, is a commitment to be selfless and surrendered and sacrificial without the other person initiating that type of response. Without expectation of response. And understand, if that be the case, commitment demands that it can't be of our feelings. We have to commit beyond our feelings. The S and the O of so celebrate ministry is where we get to lead up to verse 9. Now understand, God intends for ministry not to be laborious, not to be arduous, not to be exhausting. It is supposed to be the greatest party on earth. And I'll be honest with you, in my opinion it is. I'm one of those people that believe like I won the spiritual lottery when I got to find what the Lord had called me to. And I didn't even volunteer for it. Truth be told, I just found myself falling in love with the God of this scripture. And, and, the, and, and this is going to be hard perhaps for you to believe, but I was a very quiet and distant and aloof individual. Now I couldn't stop talking about him. It's amazing what happens when the Lord gets a hold of you. And he's intending for you to celebrate the ministry. Now look at if you've given your life to Christ, you're just discovering who in the world you are in Jesus. Praise the Lord. Continue to walk. Continue to go from sinner to saved to student. But as we become students, sooner or later, we want to use what we've learned. But I'll be honest, there gets a point where you've worn the jersey long enough and you've sat on the bench long enough where you just tend to think that's my spot. But that's not why you were given a jersey. And if you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you became a student, you became a soldier, and you became a servant. You were enlisted, like it or not. And that is what he has for every one of us. That's the trajectory you're on. If you've not accepted the gift of Jesus, I'm going to give you that opportunity tonight, God willing. So he starts with this. The S and the O. The S, looking at verses 1 through 8, is surrender all your body parts to him. Again, in view of his mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto him. I cannot serve God if I don't surrender my body parts to him. Now, here's the difference. If I don't surrender my body parts to God, I will do things for God instead of with them. But if I say, these are your hands, you move them. This is your mouth, you move it. These are your eyes, you direct them. This is your heart, you fill it. Everything changes because now I become the tool and not the craftsman. And that really changes the act and heart of ministry. Surrender all your body parts to him. The O is offer yourself to him 
for others. And if you remember a few weeks ago how we developed that, we don't give ourselves to people for God because then they hold the reins. We give ourselves to God for others. In other words, Lord, how do you want me to, how do you want me to surrender? What do you want to do through me to affect these people? And the difference is all of a sudden the Lord becomes the leader like he's supposed to. That's our S and our O. So I surrender all my body parts to him. I offer myself to God for you. And now we jump into what it really means to love without hypocrisy. And here it is. Are you ready? And remember, as, you're, as we're going through this, and we'll go through it rather quickly, as we're going through this, my challenge, and that's why we've printed it up for you, giving you scripture on one side and, and a little on the other, and then this on it, so that you can take this home and pray. And to be honest, this has been so good for me even in the last few weeks as I've been kind of going through this, going, Lord, please let my heart be right in all of these areas. And here it is. Verse 9, the second portion says, Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Apostogeho is the word for to, to abhor, and it literally means to hate out. But my favorite is the word cling, because the word is kalaho. Can you say kalaho? And kalaho means to glue. Glue yourself to what is good. And the sea of celebrate is choose my passion. You see, sooner or later, you've got to make a choice. One of the things that makes a person an unhealthy servant or soldier is he hasn't really picked his side yet. And the last thing you want to go onto the battlefield with are people who are not really sure whether they want to be on your side or the other shooting. You've heard recently about a man who actually was in America who gunned down a bunch of soldiers because he really wasn't part of the army he belonged to, but he was actually part of the enemy. You saw that, of course, that horrible incident, that tragedy that took place in Woolwich, where a man, who, by the way, didn't dress like a soldier, but went and hacked a soldier to pieces in broad daylight on the streets. Now look at sooner or later, you've got to get to this point where you realize a choice needs to be made. Now, whether you know it or not, your true heart's passions will be proven by the choices you make. And Jesus says, you can't serve the world and God. James would say, adulterer and adulteresses, don't you know friendship with the world is hatred towards God? Jesus tells us, you can't serve money and serve God. You're going to love one and hate the other. And the bottom line is, somewhere down the line, we, we're almost like torn between two lovers. Like, okay, well, we're going to love God for this portion of the day. Then we're going to love the world for this portion of the day. But that's like loving two people who are enemies. Think about that. But if I'm going to choose my passion, everything changes. Now, the moment I choose my passion, it's amazing how God backs it up. He really wants to give us the beauty of being able to say, I chose this. Moses would say, I set before you life and death. Blessing and cursing. And I challenge you today, choose life that you and your family would live. Joshua, at the end of his life, says, Hey, look at You can decide for yourself who you're going to serve, whether it be the gods of the Egyptians we left or the gods of the people we're entering into. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. In other words, what he said is, I've already made my choice. Have you made yours? Because no doubt... Every choice you make that is a life choice is going to be challenged over and over and over again. Imagine if two people stand at the altar to say, I do, to become husband and wife, but they really haven't chosen whether they really want to be single or married. I bet you've probably known people like that. And in the end of it all, it's like, I do, sort of. But which one of you wants to marry someone like that? I mean, sooner or later, if that be the case, the wisdom would be for the government to issue five-year marriage certificates. Wouldn't that make sense? That's like I do with the possibility of renewing this in five years. But the truth be told, that's never been the way Scripture is supposed to be. But how am I supposed to serve you? How am I supposed to be the servant God called me to if I can't really choose my passion? If I can't really choose whether or not I want to follow the Lord or follow the world? Because truth be told, if I'm going to vacillate between the two, I am never going to go forward. Think of it this way. Serving the Lord is going forward. Chasing after the world is going backward. How can you pull forward and backward and ever go anywhere? 
And we find ourselves in that place where it's like the plane's in a holding pattern and it's just circling but never really landing because it doesn't know where it really wants to land. Tonight, can we pray, God, land our hearts where they belong? Could you imagine what would happen here if we did that? We'd get serious about sin. We'd get serious about what we're numb to. We'd get serious about those things that we know are meaningless. We'd also get delighting in things that were really great. Is that what you'll bring before your group when you sit at the end of this and say, all right, all right, Lord, this is a weakness for me. Verse 10. So be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. The word for kindly affectionate, philostorgos. Storge is a familial love, like a brother and sister, or a mother and a father, mother and daughter. It's to cherish your kindred your parents or your children. Philo means to befriend or to love, to have, a, to have a dedication towards pursuing a relationship. The E of celebrate is embrace. Are we really willing to, to open up, to embrace one another? Now, I'm not talking about, she's cute, I'm going to give her a hug. I'm talking about really opening up our lives. Hey, you know what it's like when you talk to someone and you're trying to, and you really want to know how to invest in their life, but they're still busy playing the, the, this game, you know, where it's like, hang with me, but I'm not giving you anything. And you know how exhausting that is. When you see on their face, they're not doing well, and you're like, how are you doing? And they're like, fine. And you're like, no, you're not. And they're like, hey, back off, man. But let me ask you, are we people who are really willing to embrace each other? I mean, as a family. Because let's face it, the world is supposed to walk in here and see the freakiest freak show they've ever seen. People who are very different from each other, embracing each other, because what we really have in common is supposed to be the most important thing in our lives. And we have it in common, and that's Jesus Christ. So you speak another language. So you're Greek or Turkish. So you're whatever and whatever, you're black or white, you're tall or short, you're fat, you're thin, you're rich, you're poor, you're educated, you're not, whatever. This should be a place where the one thing we have in common is that. Now, this last week I had the privilege to go to Florida for my, my mother-in-law's family reunion. Did you follow that far? I believe every person there knew Moses. And they were all, I mean, and I don't want to pick on it, it's like they were all quite advanced in years. None of which had any idea. Uh, I was, of course, Suzanne's husband the whole time at best. And they were, who are you again? Why are you here? And it's interesting because although, that, although there was that commonality among the majority of them, the fact is they were very, very different people. But they all kind of had this familial thing together. And you, were, you could tell there were little family feuds and they're kind of little riffs here and there. But they, were, I mean, they all stood in the same room. And what they had in common was that they all bore the last name or had the same grandmother or great-grandmother somewhere down the line. And that's a fallen individual they, uh, they can all trace their line back to. We are all attached to the Son of God, God the Son, who died on the cross for our sins, conquered death, sin and shame and guilt, and rose again on the third day in resurrection power. And that is what we're supposed to have in common. What do you think that would look like if we really embraced each other? where well, we weren't total strangers. And that's easier to do in a group this size than it would be if we were, for instance, five or 600 people. But how many of the people do you know by name in this group right here? My challenge to you is, if there's someone you don't know their name, pick them in your group later on. It says then in verse 10, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another. What's the C again? Okay, we're in trouble if that's all I'm going to get from you at the beginning. What's the C again? Beautiful. Let's say, choose my passion. Wow, hopefully you have some. All right, what's the E? Embrace. The L is let others shine. Listen to this verse again. In honor, that means showing that other people are important. That's what honor means. To honor someone says that they're valuable to you. Giving preference to one another. You know, sometimes we can be so busy trying to compete over who gets the spotlight. People with great gifts never have a chance to exercise them. Sometimes they're just too afraid to. Sometimes, to be honest, they just don't feel like there's room. 
But part of serving is, is, by the way, can I just say this? You being a servant will never really be about you. Me being a servant will never really be about me. It's going to be about Jesus and others, or it's not going to be great service. And if it's going to be about others, man, I want to root for them to just prosper, to shine. Hey, man, when I hear how Jeffrey tore it up, when I hear about how Andrew tore it up, my heart, my heart just rejoices. I'm thinking, that's my boys. Checking it out. And then there's something that blesses me. And it's not like we've, you know, we spend hours on end going over things. I love to watch God raise up people and I don't feel like I have my claws into it at all. Because there's a beauty in just knowing that the Lord is raising up people. Man, He's got that for you too. And part of it is we're not to compete over that. We let others shine. So the C, choose my passion. And E is embrace L, let others shine. Number, verse 11. Not lagging in diligence, but fervent in spirit. The E is for endure. The word lagging, by the way, literally means to be tardy. The word fervent, zeho, literally means to boil. So can I say endure hot? Keep boiling. Don't just sit on the pot and be solidified. Hey, when I learned how they made jelly deal, it made it even grosser, and that made me want to eat it even more, just to say I did once. How they boil an eel for three hours until all the gross and slimy stuff boils into the water, and then they just let it sit there, and as it sits there, it all turns into jelly. That kind of a gross thought, isn't it? That's what happens when things cool. Gravy looks a lot better hot too, doesn't it, than when it cools. You ever see that layer of grease that sits on the top? And you think, wow, that's what didn't look like that when it was gravy. Does anything really look that much better when it cools like that? Stay hot. Endure hot. Verse 11 says, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. The be and celebrate is be sure of who you are serving. And you lose focus on this, it will kill you. If you forget you're serving the Lord and somehow you start thinking you're serving just people and then people start turning into, I don't know, people and they start being human and they start showing human qualities like faults, things that demand patience and endurance. Hey, which one of us is perfect yet? None of you, right? Good. That means no one in the room is at least delusional in that aspect. But man, listen, if we forget we're serving the Lord, the only person who is perfect, we'll find ourselves sighing a lot more, furrowing our brows more, being tired in what we do. I have never been tired of serving the Lord. I've been tired in serving, but I've never been tired of serving. Choose my passion. Embrace others. Let others shine. Endure hot. And be sure you know who you're serving. Verse 12. Am I going at an okay pace? Am I, am I just blowing? Because there's so much here. I just want to make sure we're going at a pace so that you have time to pray for each other. Our, verse 12 says, Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. The R stands for rejoice forward. Notice it says rejoice in hope. It doesn't just say rejoicing in the present. Hope, by the way, El Peace literally means to anticipate with pleasure. Think about that. To honestly hope demands a looking forward. I cannot hope for what I have. Hebrews has made that clear. I hope for what I am sure will come that is good. To rejoice in hope is that I am rejoicing forward. Let me ask you, is there anything you're looking forward to? It's something I do, by the way, with my kids. When we're about to, like, for instance, we're about to head to Florida, and I ask, what are you looking for? For them, it was Disneyland. That makes sense. 
Then we're about to head back here. What are you looking forward to now? What are we rejoicing in hope for? And you know what they said? They said you. That's what they said. It wasn't like we couldn't wait to get back to the rain. We couldn't wait to get back to that cool, not see the sun. We couldn't wait to get back to a good English breakfast. I said, but we really were excited about And there were about 15, 20 names that came up. Because that's what we rejoice in. Are you looking forward to anything? Is there anything when you looked forward or do you dread tomorrow? And this week has just been, we had a new study that launched yesterday in Covent Garden. Couldn't wait for that, by the way. I was so excited about it. We landed at about 9.30, 10 in the morning. Um, got everything out of the airport by about noon. And by 2 o'clock, we were beginning our study. Couldn't wait for tonight to go through this with you. Tomorrow we have a couple more studies. Can't wait for that. I know God's going to do great things. Friday we have a couple study on Friday. Can't wait for that. This weekend... Um, we are visited by one of the gals and her daughter from Italy, the one who cooked for all the people. Can't wait for her to show up. <laughs> Prayerfully, we'll get her in the kitchen anyway. So, But more than anything, I can't wait to see what the Lord's going to do with you and with me. Man, I look and I think, oh, you ever get frustrated with yourself and you're like, I'm so tired of just being me. I'm so tired of the struggles that I have and I'm tired of the things that are, the weaknesses I still deal with. Can you rejoice and hope to know that God's not done? Because he said, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. And you are his workmanship. God doesn't quit because he knows the cost of the project before he started it. And he knows how to finish what he began. Are you rejoicing in hope? Or is that a rough one? Isn't it, wouldn't it be rough to serve if you had no hope that anything was going to get better? Wouldn't that be rough? Okay. But then it also says, rejoicing in hope, patient in trouble or tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. The A is for abide on my knees. If I'm genuinely going to live the life God called me to as a servant, I've got to live a life of prayer. And prayer has to become a dialogue. It's not just dear Santa or I mean, oops, I mean God. All right, Lord, what do you have for me? The base word for prayer is the word pros yukmai. Pros means towards, you means good, kmai means will or intent. Real, genuine, simple prayer is for me to cast myself towards God's good will. And that's one of the reasons why I need to be praying without ceasing. Doesn't that make sense? All right, God, what do you have here? I just want to throw myself at you and throw myself at you again because, man, I need to. I want to abide on my knees. I've learned it is a lot easier to minister to people you've been praying for. And it's so easy, to be honest, when you can actually know just about everyone's name. Every one of you that I've had a personal conversation with, I guarantee you, you've been prayed for by name. Some of you, a lot more than once. But don't do crazy stuff just so I'll pray for you more. You can do good stuff too. Verse 13. Distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. The T is touch lives by giving me. The moment your service becomes about an it, you're in trouble. Whether you're just building websites, sweeping floors, cleaning toilets, or whether it's you're folding bulletins, making sure seats are in the right places and sound gear is set up. In the end of it all, if it's not for the Lord to bless people, you're going to get tired of it. But if I genuinely touch, know that I'm seeking to touch lives by giving me, things change. Can I, I, I don't know where most of you have come from. I know a few of you. But I know what it's like to walk in a room and know that the room was going to be worse for me entering. I know what it's like to know that my involvement in something 
before I knew the Lord was really going to muck things up. I know what it's like to walk by people and have them sigh a breath of relief when they get past me. Now, I'm not some super-consumed, introspective individual. But the idea that the Lord would actually say, I'm going to put you in a room and it's going to get better because of what I do through you. I mean, it's a challenge, to be honest. Because it's one of the areas where the enemy could say, hey, you know what, if you just backed out of this, it would be better. And, you know, he never says that about you guys. That's the good news. Or if he does, I don't listen. But I will say this. The Lord has intended for every one of you to brush up against each other and not be islands. But if we're going to embrace each other, we're going to be there anyways. Then we start touching each other's lives in such a way by giving ourselves. Notice it says, given the hospitality. One of my favorite words in Scripture, by the way. The word for hospitality is the word philoxenon. Phileho, that means to befriend. Xenos. If you've ever seen my big fat Greek wedding, it's what the father would say to the son who was getting married. And I'm not endorsing the movie, but he would always call him that. And it means stranger. That's all it means. Stranger. If you go to Greece today, you could stay in a Xenosahil. And you know what that means? Stranger box. That's what it means. It's a hotel. But that's what they call it, a stranger box. To genuinely practice hospitality literally means to befriend strangers. That's all it means. Now, that may mean you open your house. It may mean you don't. It may mean, but if you've already opened your heart, then that becomes less relevant. It may mean that you just look around and you say, you know what, I don't really know that gal, and you're a girl. Or as a guy, I don't really know that guy. Let's just see if I can get him out for coffee. The idea of befriending, no person should come here more than thrice and feel like they don't know anyone. If this really is a family. And if we're really willing to embrace and to befriend strangers, we really want to be people who are doing that. And by the way, I want to do that too. So the T is touch a life or touch lives by giving me. We'll get to the E, and I'll give you a quiz here to see how you did with Celebrate. Verse 14 says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless, don't curse. The E is for end it with kindness. Being the father of two, one of the most common expressions after I say stop, which means obviously something is happening wrong, is She started it. And of course, the natural parental response is, yes, well, I'm ending it. But you know what's amazing? Is when we become older, it isn't like we stop being children. We just refine the way we behave like children. Does that make sense? It isn't like we stop doing those things. We just find out how to do them as adults. When you were in elementary school, there were cliques that you could be part of or exclusive. Maybe you thought you were better than or you thought you'd never fit in. Then you became adults. You were either part of a clique you thought that other people couldn't belong to or you felt like you couldn't fit in. It doesn't change. And so we could say, well, they started it. So you know what? I'm going to end it by retaliating in the same light. God says, end it with kindness. Listen to this again. Bless those who persecute you. Bless. Don't curse them. If they curse you, don't curse them. End it with kindness. He doesn't just say, don't curse those. He says, bless those. Now, could you imagine really doing that? That would take an act of God. And that's exactly what he wants. Maybe you think somebody's up on your grill. Maybe you think somebody's giving you trouble. It would take a supernatural act to do this. And that's exactly what God's in the business of. You get that? Okay, you ready? We've got the word celebrate. Let's see how well you do. C is for? Let's try all of you. C is for? That's more of you. E is for? Beautiful. L is for? Beautiful. E is for? Beautiful. B is for? Excellent. R is for? Nice. A is for? Nice. T is for? That's it. Beautiful. Touch lives by giving me. E is for? Nice. Well, let's start moving forward again. We're mowing through this. But here's the cool thing. Again, this is why you're writing it down. You're able to take it and pray through it as well later. Verse 15, and it says this. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. The M is for meet them where they're at. 
I had a friend who just was tremendously insensitive. She was a super sweet gal, but she just couldn't get the vibe of the room, if that makes any sense. And we were sitting in a room where a girl had just passed away, and she comes walking in, Hey, everybody! Everyone's just having, everyone's crying, and she looked around, and she goes, Who died? You can imagine how well that was. Is I'm exactly meeting them where they're at. Do you realize sometimes the only ministry is to weep with someone who weeps? Now, I know for some of us, we feel like words are to be the great bond and balm for everything. But not always. Never underestimate the ministry of silence when God tells you to be quiet. There's some people that can't have silence. It's like that's how they breathe, is talking. And, I had, <laughs> and I've heard someone say a long time ago that was one of my music teachers, if you can't improve upon the silence, don't. But I can tell you, you speak volumes when a person's hurting. I, to be honest, I had to learn this with my wife. In um, one month and two days, I think, this is the second, is that right? In one month and two days, we'll be married 24 years. Is that crazy? That means next year we're celebrating our silver anniversary. <laughs> How do you like that? And one of the things I've learned is sometimes my wife's more like Disneyland than I'm a broken machine. In other words, she'd go through, she'd have a rough time, and I'd grab the wrench and say, how do we fix it? And she just wanted me to go on the ride. Does that make any sense? He's like, just sit with me and suffer with me. And as a guy, I'm like, why would I do that? And then God said, hello, weep with those who weep. I'm like, you're crying over a book of imaginary people. Weep with those who weep. Okay. But then the Lord showed me, and my wife loves reading. (laughs) The Lord showed me that Jesus crawled into our world and died there. And he's my groom. How do I crawl into her world and die there? I've given you one example. And that's not because I'm such an easy ride either. Don't set your mind on high things, but associate with the humble. Don't be wise in your own opinion. The I in ministry, the first I, is initiate. It is amazing how little gets done because nobody initiates. Well, I will if she will. I will if he will. I will if they will. I will if they develop a program for it. I will if I'm asked. I will if someone first of all applauds me and tells me I can do it. It's amazing how someone can walk in a room and feel like the room is cold, but they won't initiate any conversations. And because they're so awkward at that moment, they're kind of sending off the don't talk to me vibe that makes any sense? So people are like, maybe we shouldn't talk to that person. Like, nobody cares. Solomon said, if you want friends, you must first be friendly. And that's a guy with a thousand wives, so to speak. I think he knew how to be friendly. I'm not telling you that that's right. But I am telling you that we should initiate relationships. And I'll tell you what will stop that. Just thinking about yourself. Because if you spend your time staring in the mirror, you'll either think you're better than or worse than the person next to you. And neither one of those will cause you to initiate a a proper conversation. Initiate. All right. Verse 17. We're getting close here. Repay no one evil for evil. The N is never dish it back. Any of you guys ever play that game where someone kind of hits you and you turn around and hit them back and then they hit you back and then you hit them back? You ever notice how everything collects interest? Someone bumps you and you're like, let me tell you what you did. And you hit them a little harder. That's what you did. And they're like, you just did this. 
And by the time you're done, you guys are in a full-on brawl, and that's with your brother or best friend. It's amazing how everything seems to get bigger when you remember it, even if it just happened. It's one of the problems with dishing it back. How are you doing? Fine. You just said, fine. No, I said, fine. Now look at you. You said, fine. And now often people are arguing over the stupidest of things because we're busy dishing it back. But you always collect interest and hand it back. They hit you in the side of the head with a seed. And you turn around and hit them with a tree. And then they turn around and ran you over with a forest. Don't dish it back. Never dish it back. Verse 17 also says, Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. The eye is for identify the good. You know, it really isn't much sport in finding bad. Have you learned that? There are some people I know, they can find bad in anything. If there was a buffet and it was 68 items and 67 of them were the best tasting thing you ever saw, some people only talk about the 68. You know what I'm talking about? And you turn around and say, you're not happy until you're not happy. But what is it like when you do that with people? Who wants to hang out with somebody that's constantly telling you the one thing, because obviously for all of us it's only like one or two things, right? That is wrong. You know what's amazing is how often we think that that's the way the Lord speaks to us. We're like, we're afraid to let the Lord speak because we're sure that if he spoke to us, we're sure that what he would tell us is the list of all the things we're still doing wrong. What kind of relationship is that? Do you think I do that with my kids? And I'm an evil father. But there's times when the father just says, I love you. But there's moments when he says, this is a really good moment, Delek. Arena, this is a good choice. Daniel, I'm proud of you. Well done, Nathaniel. This was a right step. Could we hear those too? Maybe you've never had anyone say those. If you haven't, let me introduce you to the one who does. It tells us that the Lord is seeking to find those who are worshiping him in spirit and in truth. It tells us that the Lord will bring to light the hidden things of the heart and then each man's praise is from God. I believe what the Lord wants to say to you as you see him face to face one day is, well done, good and faithful servant. Now he doesn't say that if you aren't a good and faithful servant. But now are the choices you could make so he can. But do you think that's the only time he would say that? I've heard that before, where the Lord's like, hey, that was good. May we learn how to do that and then turn around and learn how to do that to others. Say, well done. I love to praise others, by the way. And guess what? We're down to our last four. Verse 18. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, Live peaceably with all men. Aren't you thankful that God wrote it like that? Aren't you thankful he doesn't just say, live peaceably with all men? There are some people that you cannot live peaceably with unless you died. Like the only way that I'll like you is day in. But if we're really honest with ourselves, we make more enemies sometimes than we need to, even with the people we love. The S stands for, you ready for this? Pause for effect. Stop dying on every hill. Stop dying on every hill. Let me explain if you don't get the metaphor. Newly married couple. They've been married for a month. One of the ways you can tell a newly married couple is every little thing is a big thing. You lose perspective. I'm hungry for Chinese. Well, I'm hungry for Italian. Well, they're both noodles. Why don't we just go to Chinese? They have noodles. But Italian has a better sauce. Let's go Italian. No, 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 really. We need to go Chinese. I want to use chopsticks. Get some chopsticks and let's eat it at the Italian restaurant. What a dumb hill to die on. And people are like, we just can't get along. Because you couldn't decide on what restaurant? You know, you ever have the person that's like, everything's a fight? And it's always, you always, you never... It isn't like you sometimes, but you always. You always do that. It's amazing how you lose perspective. Dying on every hill means everything is like you won't back down. 
It's like, look, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with others. Hey, you know what? The, sometimes what that may mean is they'll agree with you. This is the way I think of it. They'll agree with me later. I'll say, this is, what I, yeah, this is the case. And they'll be like, oh, no, 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 it's this. And I'll be like, yeah, okay. Well, you'll agree with me someday. No, oh, no, I won't. I'm done. If I want to die on the hill, now look, and in the end of it all, if you don't know Jesus Christ, the one thing you need to know is there's a God who so loves you, he'd rather die than live without you. And I don't want to argue over whether you're for Chelsea or whether you're for Arsenal. I don't want to die for over whether or not you think that everyone should make sure that they spend years in university or whether you think you shouldn't go to school at all. I don't want to die over whether you think Obamacare is good or not. I don't want to die over whether, you know, the, whether we think that, you know, you see, that shows you how much I'm not dying on that hill, huh? Uh, you know, it's like, those, those are dumb things to die over when we really need to be bringing people Jesus. You know, whether you're from whatever planet you're from, Turkey, Greece, whether you're from the, the strange island of New Zealand, whether you're from whether you're Caribbean, Afro-Caribbean, Caribbean-Caribbean, Caribbean-Britain, whatever you are, it just, in the end of it all, we are human beings that need Jesus Christ. And dying on any other hill that separates me from you is a really silly thing if you've not accepted the gift of Jesus. And once we have, then I'm standing on this word, but I'm not going to sit here and yell until I'm red in the face over it. Because what I've learned is that that closes the door for you to turn around later on and tell me I was right. Anyway, all right. <laughs> and I'm not always. Last three, verse 19. Beloved, don't avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. As it is written, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, I will repay. The T is for turn it over. Just hand it over. Instead of just collecting and saying, oh, fine, I'll just suck it in. You know what happens? It spring loads, right? Collects interest and then flies back. Hand it over to the Lord. Don't avenge yourself. Let the Lord handle it. Verse 20, Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. In so doing, you'll heap coals of fire on his head. The R, by the way, is respond with kindness. It's a lot harder to fight somebody who's responding with kindness. No. I've heard a lot of really interesting things about people who say, well, I know what this means. As a sign of repentance, people would put hot coals on their head. I've never seen a culture that really does that. I mean, it's lovely the way those things kind of sound. And it's amazing how commentators, once they die, can be experts in things I think they made up. But this is the one thing I do understand about hot coals, is they set things on fire. Have you learned that? And I do know this, that firebrands are very effective. Let's say there are two camps, your camp and the enemy camp. And with the enemy camp, they're in their huts waiting for battle, and you're in your huts waiting for battle. How do you get them out of their camp? One of the ways to do so is to shoot hot coals, firebrands, and launch them upon the roofs, upon the heads of the camp, and it burns down their camp so that many will leave the camp. Now, I get that. Now, I'm not telling you that's what this says, but I can tell you it makes sense to me. If I'm kind to an individual who is hating me, I have opened the door for them to join my camp in time. If I'm digging into the sand, and again, arguing over the dumbest of things. Now look, I'm not going to back down on Jesus. I'm not changing my mind about the gospel. And I'm not going to tell you there are a thousand ways to God. I am not doing anything at the expense of the truth. But I am not going to sit there and argue over things that are actually not even consequential to that. But if an enemy is being nasty, maybe you've got a boss who's being gross, mean, nasty. Maybe you've got a coworker who's just being, you know, just they have it in for you. They're just, no matter, every time you turn around. Now, I'm not saying put yourself in danger. What would happen if you responded with kindness? You may just be dumping fire onto the camp themselves so that one day they'll run out of that camp and run into yours. That makes sense to me. Which gets, takes us to the why. 
Verse 21. Do not be overcome by evil. Overcome evil with good. The word overcome, nikhil, means to win. Victory. The Y stands for you win. So let's go through ministry. Ready? What does the M stand for? Meet them where they're at. Where they're at. I, nice. The I? Beautiful. N? Beautiful. I? Nice. S? Beautiful. T? R? Beautiful. And the Y? You win. Now look at As we're about to go to prayer, do you, do you recognize in these which ones are weak for you? Are there, are there any, perhaps? Are there any that you can look at and go, you know what, actually, I think I'm doing okay with this one. Don't pat yourself on the back with it. Thank the Lord for what he's doing. But I want to pray, but before I pray for us all, and this is including me, this is what ministry should be, by the way, and a kind that we celebrate. Let me ask you, have you accepted the gift of Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again? He gives you a choice now, and I said before you life and death, have you said yes to the gift of Jesus? Though he's done the work, now he gives you the opportunity to say, will you have him? If I were to hand you the lottery ticket, it doesn't mean anything until you cash it in. It takes an act of faith. As we go to prayer now, I want to invite you to say yes. If you have said yes, my challenge is to say with me, God, now take me deeper into that walk with you. The reason you saved me, what do you want to do in my life now? Will you pray with me? Lord, thank you so much for this beautiful text. Thank you so much for all that you're doing in it. Thank you for the beauty, Lord, of being able to call on your name. Thank you, Lord, that you demonstrated these things to us. You didn't die on every hill. You died on one, the hill of our sin and our guilt. And you died there so that all of our guilt could be punished and rose again on the third day so that we could have new life. And so now, Lord, we pray that as we say yes to that gift, Lord, we just, we, you've given us the choice to say yes and we accept that gift or to try to pay for our own sin ourselves. And I say yes. Lord, please be the Lord of my life. Be the Savior of my life. And Lord, you know that. But Lord, in that, I do want to choose my passion. Lord, I want you to be my passion. I don't want the world to be my passion. I don't want myself to be my passion. I want you to be. And with that, Lord, all the other things seem to fall in line because I don't want to be a hypocrite in my love. I want to be one who genuinely, selflessly, surrendered, submitted, sacrificially loves others in the committed way without demanding for them to initiate, but rather to do it because you are loving through me. So here I am, Lord, I'm yours. And Lord, now as we congregate as in small groups to pray, I just pray right now, Lord God, that you would just move in us to make us people who are open, Lord, to what it is. You want to change in us even now as you stir our hearts. But also, Lord, confirm those areas where you are already clearly at work and things you are doing through us so that we could see the things you already are doing, but also then, Lord, to rejoice in hope to look forward to the things you have yet to do, even as we lay these things before you. So, Lord, again, we confess you as our Lord and our Savior, not because we need to keep repeating this, but, Lord, just so that if there's anyone who has yet to say yes, can join us. And in that we say yes, Jesus, to your gift on the cross, and yes to your right to be the Lord and reinventor of our lives. Have us now and take us over, we pray, and we surrender ourselves to you afresh and anew. In Jesus, in your name. Amen.